Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. We highlight the voices of Native activists, writers, poets, artists, thinkers, and musicians who are fighting for the rights of Indigenous people all over Turtle Island. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. In this moment of historical change and social justice, our voices matter now more than ever before. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Sego, and as he said, welcome to Let's Talk Native. Uh, look, I got a special show going on here today, but before I get right into it, first let me say, um, you know, I, I I didn't realize until yesterday when I checked the calendar, but. Um, uh, we are, this show represents our first show in our 11th year of doing Let's Talk Native. So we just celebrated our 10th year anniversary, uh, you know, just uh, the other day. So, um, so I'm, I'm, you know, it's, look, I'm, I'm pleased to be able to have been able to do this for this long. Um, we are in a better spot now to keep going and we don't have some of the barriers that we had before. And, you know, look, there's always something to talk about. There is always an issue. And that's why we do this program, not just to inform people, but to encourage people to have conversations. So, uh, again, I'm pleased. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, and, you know, I got a few congrats on, on Facebook and that kind of stuff. I wasn't searching for that. <clears throat> I just really wanted to demonstrate <clears throat> that we have had the staying power to to not only go from commercial radio, change a couple of stations, in, improve you know the product as we went along, and to be where we're at now with with podcasts and YouTube videos and uh, and being carried by uh, by radio stations, um, we're we're still doing it. So <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, so yeah, this is our this is our first show in our in, as we enter our eleventh year. So um, I'm pretty pleased with that, and we do have a very a very special show. Um, look, we have talked about the legacy of Ganazadage Oka, and it's while on some level it seems like we don't we there hasn't been the necessary lessons learned from that event but it's not to say that everybody hasn't learned lessons and in fact we've seen it demonstrated we saw in the the support for uh Wet'suwet'en uh before the whole crisis uh, pandemic thing you know began to rain down upon us uh, we saw the the reciprocating support uh shutting down rail you know Canada uh Canadian uh rail what is it uh was it called Rail Canada? I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, and you know, highways and that kind of stuff. And we're seeing it play out again. Uh, you know, Caledonia has been in the news in the past, and it's in the news again. And that's why I have my guest. I've got Skylar Williams joining me from uh, Six Nations, from uh, Oswego, Grand River, wherever people want to, uh, however you want to refer to it, I guess. Um, 
And this is the first time Skyler's been a guest on my show, so I want to first off welcome you, Skyler, to uh, to Let's Talk Native. It's a it's a pleasure to have you join me. Absolutely, thank you for having me. But uh, I'm joined today with uh, my friend Micah, who's also been uh, helping with some of the media stuff down here at 1492 Landback Lane. Well, and and actually, actually, that's what I'm re- referring to this program as. <laughs> uh, uh, it's great that you guys, uh, you know, basically. Uh, created the address uh, that is a, a call to action all by itself. So uh, um, I think what you guys are doing is great. But I want to talk about it. I want, I want you to lay some of it out because a lot of my listeners are, you know, on the American side and they're listening all over the United States. Uh, so I want you to kind of give as much as you can a, a background. I, we have about an hour program, but uh, I know that we could spend hours talking about this. So uh, give a little bit of the history, and I'll chime in where where I think it it's appropriate. Give a little history on on what has led to wh- where you're at right now. Um. So yeah, the uh, 2006 is kind of where it started, I guess, when uh, Caledonia kind of first got put on the map with like uh, indigenous resistance around Six Nations. Anyway, it was. Um, in 2006, there was a group of women that went into uh, housing development and started tossing out flyers and were met by uh, some very uh, angry construction workers. Uh, there was a one point a, a dump truck with gravel that poured the gravel at their feet and uh, so that uh, angered some of the people from Six Nations and uh, we went in and uh, uh, escorted the construction workers off site and that was kind of the start of the like the work stoppages and uh stuff that had been happening around that time well let's let, uh, yeah. let, let's back up a little farther because basically what we have to explain is that the reason that any of this conflict has started in the first place is that there is housing development for non-natives Absolutely. on on dis- not just disputed land land that is almost I mean, it's only disputed because Canada made it disputed. When when you think about that whole Haldeman track of land that was clearly designated uh, for the people of Six Nations, uh, going back to the British Crown, and that and the fact that as a people you, there was some agreement, and and I'm always somewhat skeptical on on some of what leadership has where leadership has led some of our territories. But there were lands that were leased; they were leased out to non-natives for development, and but those leases were never fulfilled; they were defaulted. And some of those leases were like 999 year leases, which is which is absurd on so many different levels. Uh, and then they defaulted on them, and they were never forced to leave the land. And so that's how the land only becomes disputed because white people who entered into what was leases, even drafted up by Canada, by the way, they defaulted on them and Canada never forced them off the land. And that's where, and then the land changes hand. They treated that lease like a sale. And so now you've got a bunch of people who paid somebody for that land but never it never came back to six nations and none of those sales were were legitimate and that's so now you've got somewhat you know nice homes fairly luxury homes being built on land that is essentially part of uh, six nations did i get that right uh, yeah absolutely okay. and i mean like the the the, the one that i like the the 
reason that I brought up the 2006 reclamation of the, what was Douglas Creek Estates, it's now Benestado, is, uh, is because this particular development rolls up right to the front door, directly across the road from that development. And so to be able to, uh, and that was something that I was involved with. I spent like a year uh, occupying that particular uh, little tract of land there and uh, seven months in jail because uh, us fulfilling our obligation to the great law and to our people and to the land itself uh, is criminalized. And so it ended up being that all of the charges that I was charged with over that was all, all dropped afterwards. And I thought that that was a pretty big slap in the face to roll another development of 1,400 homes which is twice the size of what was uh, Douglas Creek was, uh, directly to the front doorstep. Well, and after, you know, and there was a major conflict uh, in 2006, uh, and that was fairly well covered. I mean, frankly, the Internet was, uh, our access to Internet was, we we almost cut our teeth on some of that uh, that dispute. And so out of that dispute, there was, they stopped development, and then, and now they've started back up. And is that, is that, is that correct? Yeah, and that's the thing is like the over the last uh, five years or so, like the like the encroachment of uh, these massive housing developments has uh, gotten closer and closer. And so in Canada, we have uh, something called an in, uh, additions to reserve process, and it's just and it's a ridiculous uh, joke of a process to get uh, land added onto the reserve and. The band council, the confederacy council, the, um, uh, have bought land trying to get that added onto the reserve with no luck whatsoever, and we just end up paying property tax on, on lands that uh, are well within the Grand River, uh, Haldeman Deed. Mm-hmm. And so it just becomes we are paying taxes on our own land. And, and so for people on the U.S. side, this that process you talked about is kind of like the fee-to-trust process that exists on the U.S. side That's where, right. where you know, people exactly. acquire land. And then they, they, they don't actually get the clear title to the land, um, even if it was in our traditional homelands. It, we are forced to, to try to have the federal government hold that land for us. And that's the way Canada tries to view <clears throat> many of the land holdings that Native people have on the Canadian side anyway. But it is absurd that rather than... Uh, than ever resolving the dispute. And and it's not like the Canada hasn't acknowledged this dispute. I mean, this has been raised for years. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Canada's offered some ridiculous um, buyouts of, uh, of of these claims in years past for you know, like hundreds of dollars per acre rather than the thousands of dollars per acre that it would ever be w- worth. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, that is a slap in the face as well. They've been Almost saying like this is all we're ever going to get give to you. It's kind of like the um, uh, Black Hills over the Dakotas. You take this Absolutely. money now, or we're never going to offer it to you again. <clears throat> and then our people look at and and two million dollars or whatever that sounds like a lot of money uh, to you know an impoverished people, but it's money that just disappears after that. And so they they know that this is disputed land. So when I hear somebody like Doug Ford. You know, say something like, well, you just can't go in and take somebody's homes away or, you know, uh, and I'm thinking that's exactly what you guys did. And and then when when I hear any of these guys talk about rule of law, 
they have violated their own laws. They're not they're the ones violating their own rule of law. And the the expectation is that we will follow their law when we never consented to any of that stuff. And it, it really comes back to, you know, doctrine of Christian discovery and, you know, uh, you know, so many other, um, you know, so much of the dogma that allowed Canada and the United States to to uh, take over our lands illegally and then claim that they have a legal title. Yeah, and I mean, like, this has the, been the same for the Haldeman track, like, the, the uh, for the whole thing. Like, the, for geography's sake, like, it's, um, goes almost to, to Buffalo from just west of Toronto. And so we're talking about hundreds of miles of, uh, of river that we have six miles on either side of. And, and that that is what the that is what the Haldeman track lays out. It, it says, and this was clearly delineated by the you know by the UK that 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 land six miles on either side of a Grand River uh, was forever supposed to be uh, um, in the possession of uh, of the the people of Six Nations, uh, even though it, when when I look at the Haldeman track, they don't accurately reflect where the, where the source of Grand River is. So they they even cut the top off of that too. But but regardless. When you look at how extensive the Haldeman track is compared to what's left of our territories, it's um, it gives you an idea just just how much we've been screwed from uh, you know by by Ontario, by Canada, by you know you know by land speculators. It's uh, it, it's really criminal for these people who are claiming that we need to follow rule of law. Absolutely, and I mean this, like I was saying before, this particular one is fourteen hundred homes and. I think the starting price for one of the units of a fiveplex uh, apartment in there is four hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollars. The amount of money that they gave to the band council, which on our territory is is uh, voted on by four percent of our community, um, the uh, three hundred and fifty-two thousand dollars that they receive for that isn't even like it doesn't even scratch the surface yeah. of being able to buy one of these homes. Yeah. They, they pay, they pay less than one home for like an entire settlement. Right. It's, 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 you're right. It's absolutely absurd. Well, and, and look, and we can get into I have, I have some serious problem, not just with these, with these Indian act band councils, but frankly, I have just as much trouble with some of these guys that claim to be traditional counsel because they seem to have lost any sense of um, the responsibilities that come with titles. They think they're in positions of authority. They can make decisions that uh, that leave the people out. They, they, they're not following Guyana or Goa. So whether you're talking about band councils or you're talking about chiefs councils or whatever you want to refer to them as, I guess, uh, there's a lot of problems that exist on uh, when it comes to those that either are recognized as leadership or who are claiming to be recognized as leadership. And and I agree with you 100. percent And that was kind of one of the things that, like the uh, when we started here, that that was um, something that we weren't going to align ourselves with any uh, kind of family or faction that was. Uh, um, uh, put here on on Six Nations, and certainly whether that's uh, elected council or the Haudenosaunee Confederacy Council or the Mohawk Workers, because that's the thing is like the government here and the police and the RCMP, RCMP before the Ontario Provincial Police, all uh, you know look for those cracks and uh, to be able to drive wedges in. Right, and they hammered those home at every opportunity. And as far as I'm concerned, they, they it's taken a hundred years for us to be. 
get as divided as we are as a community. And it's going. And if it takes a hundred years more for us to do the growth and the healing that we need to do as a community, then that's what we're going to do. And we're going to take that hundred years to be able to. But in that time, there's not going to be development rolling up on our doorstep to be able to uh, 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 build these fourteen hundred homes and put fourteen hundred families on our doorstep. Right. Right. Well, uh, so let's you know bring us forward here now. Um, when the the first blockades or the you know or the, the you guys basically drew a line in the sand uh, was only about about a month ago. Uh, back back us up a, a few weeks to where this the 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 current blockade where where it comes from. Uh, so yeah, just some friends and family, and we uh, talked and. Uh, made a made a decision that this was something that we wanted to do. Uh, the Wet'suwet'en had just uh, kind of came and came and went after the coronavirus hit, mm-hmm. and so there was a group of us that were action oriented, wanted to make a uh, a move towards a land back land back uh, issue, and and really take that seriously and and move into a space that we could that we could hold on to and. Uh, this particular one, because it was rolling up on the door of uh, former Douglas Creek, now Gunnestado, uh housing development, like uh, it was, it was, it was an, it was an easy one to pick because, like, like it, it, it actually rolled up right to the doorstep of Gunnestado. Right, right. So you guys so, started uh, first off just just making sure that you were seen there. Um, you guys, you know, started a bit of a of a fire. Uh, you know, more of a so symbolic fire. I was um, I was gonna clarify. Like, are you talking about? The, are you asking about the occupation itself, or are you asking about the blockades? Because those are two two sort of separate entities. I mean, although they're connected, they're separate. Well, by by all means, explain that then, because uh, I, you know, okay. basically part so, of what I, part yeah. of what I'm trying to find out is is where we're at now. What are the recent events that bring us bring us to where we are now? Okay, so originally, uh, what we did is we came on to develop the development property site itself, and we set up like an occupation there, and we've been there since. Um, so fast forward last Wednesday. Uh, the OPP came to the development site where we have been staying and they started, um, well, they came to like enforce the injunction essentially, right? Uh, so that it ended up, uh, becoming violent on behalf of the police. So they, they shot at our people and they tasered some of our supporters. Um, and then they ended up detaining uh, nine people who were on on site. Well, and, so and, and, to, be, and to, to be clear, um, this is much of what you know people have seen on the U.S. side. They're they're shooting with what were supposed to be less than non lethal uh, armaments. They're using these bean bags or rubber bullets or whatever else. Uh, although yeah. those well, things can be absolutely can be lethal. Only shot one bullet, right? <laughs> Wait, say that again. I don't know where. Where you would just shoot one bullet, but I assure you, it was more than just one. Okay. So anyway, so they came in, um, and they came in clearly um, uh, with the intent to to be violent. And, and in fact, uh, if I recall, Skyler, we spoke. You you mentioned that uh, um, that they were trying to suggest that you get rid of the women and children because they were going to come in and they were going to be they were they planned to physically. Um, 
you know, and violently enforce, uh, you know, some Canadian paper they had. And that's right. Uh, and the fair first thing that they did was uh, a non-native woman who was standing uh, next to the roadway, not on the site at all, had uh, her phone out and was videoing and live streaming what was the the the, the happenings. And uh, as soon as they approached to, uh, the site, they grabbed her immediately, picked her up off the ground, slammed her in, in onto the ground and into a big mud puddle and uh arrested her immediately and she wasn't even on the development site at all jeez you know this you know i just, i recently did a video uh i do short form videos and i and i did one called this is canada uh which which the whole intent was to show you know the the overt racism that especially that the police uh harbor against native people and uh for all the the people in the us side who think oh canada is so nice uh i'm always there to say no <laughs> you you guys are not getting the full picture and whether you go back to you know to the oka ganazadage crisis or whether you look at what's happened with with Soatin or what's uh what's transpiring with um uh, uh the blockades that you put you guys put together in support of what's Soatin and of course uh, of course now uh canada really shows its uh its true nature um when you know even even in the face of again peaceful protests and that's the one thing that like i i think you just highlighted there is the peaceful protest is the until the police moved in here like it was sitting by the fire and singing songs and dancing and laughing and telling stories and it was it was as peaceful of uh, uh land occupation as you could as you could get well, and it still is, right? So, like, to go back to, like, the timeline. So, in regards to, like, what you see on the media with the blockade. So, like I said, we had just we had just come in and we were here and we were occupying. Like, we had never, we had never like, barricaded any roads or anything. Even the driveway has always been open. I mean, like, when it comes to the nighttime, we have somebody that will sit up there and sort of, like, monitor the people that are coming in. But, like... We've never shut down any roads in regards to Mackenzie Meadows. And like I said, the driveway is open. But fast forward to the day of the arrest. Um, so it was a community, a beautiful, beautiful community response um, that that when the barricades came up and like the blocking of trains and the fires and everything. And that was in direct protest and support of our community of the violence that the police brought to the land defenders. But it, even um, even in that, you guys still didn't have a violent response. You just had a a larger response, a larger peaceful response, uh, even after the violence uh, perpetrated by the Ontario Provincial Police, which is essentially like, uh, for again, uh, for those on the U.S. side, it's like the state police for all intents and purposes. That's right. Yeah, and so then to fast forward after that, so uh, the same night, all of the people who had been arrested were let out of jail. And um, at that point, it was the same as the first day. We regrouped. We had a caravan, and we just essentially came back onto the land. Um, everything was still there, so we just kind of sat down, lit the fire again, and carried on. And again, still to this day, we're not blocking any roads. We're not impeding traffic. 
Um, and, and, and you're not destroying construction okay. sites. I mean, uh, you know, Ford makes it sound like you, you went into somebody's home for crying out loud. And of Doug Ford, I mean, who is the Ontario premier, which is like the governor again for people on the side. Um, yeah. So Ford makes it sound like you guys were you know, like kicking doors in or something. And, and of course that couldn't be farther from the truth. Absolutely. No, there's not one home on the development site. Right. Like there's barely a road <laughs> that's yeah. been like the there's barely the roads that have that are going to be constructed like for the surveys and whatnot. Other than that, it's just dirt. So what starts out as an occupation on this land that is intended to be developed, man, it sounds it, it sounds like occupied territory in Israel, where the Israelis go in uh, to try to do settlements in Palestinian territory. It really is. Um, but so what starts out as, as a, a basically a, a sit-in for all intents and purposes. Um, invokes a violent response from the Ontario Provincial Police and your, the c- response from your community is to say alright, now it's not just an occupation, now we're going to block do some blockades. Is that, is that accurate? Well, and that's the thing, is like the community tried to respond to the, the reclamation site mm-hmm. and, and uh, the OPP had uh, large large vehicles sitting on the roadways blocking any entrance any any passage to uh to where we were now what kind and of vehicles so, are were these just uh suvs or or if they broke out the military uh, style SUV, vehicles like yeah. uh, tactical trucks oh. they're like they're, they have like a uh dual wheel uh big chevy and ford f-350s and uh yeah large technical technical unit trucks and so they uh they blocked the roadways, uh, preventing our people from coming to render any kind of aid. And so our, our, our community stood up in a huge way and said, like, if you're going to uh, be shooting rubber bullets at people, tasering people, beating people, dragging them off the site, uh, then we are going to maintain a uh, uh, direct route to be able to get to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the... Uh, uh, highway and railway and roadway blockades have come in now. Mm-hmm. And so that was our community's response to violence against our people. Sure, sure. And, and, and of course that makes, that makes sense. Then there has to be, you know, a response to, you know, people being uh, injured. And, 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 and again, with violence coming from the, the police and, and violence totally uncalled for, uh, unnecessary, it, it does it's it's necessary for a response and the great thing is that it came from the people it wasn't one of these band councils or chiefs councils this was the people saying no we're not we're not putting up with this and and i've seen some of the video and some of the live streaming stuff that's uh um, you know, that's been made available. I want to give a shout out. I'm using some of uh, Real People's uh, um, uh, media um, uh, shots and video as we're doing this show. Um, but there's and obviously then some news coverage started. I saw some you know, some APTN and, and a few other networks that were were covering it. But but again, it it, it always seems like they're they're in such a hurry and, and such an effort to cast. Um, our people as the bad guys and all this stuff and and nobody goes back and and puts a proper framework to the injustices that causes the land dispute in the first place it's rarely ever done they at best they'll call it disputed land they won't talk about what the what the real history is and of course when the when the tribal councils get involved and these band councils get involved they seem to be more like trying to placate the you know the the province or the or you know or the canadian federal government 
and 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 not necessarily you know make sure that they maintain a strong dialogue with the with the people they claim to represent so like this and this has been something that um all, all of us at Landback Lane have uh, been advocating for for since the start of it was that uh, by not aligning ourselves with anybody but at the same time like looking to those different families and factions within our community to be able to say like if we're going to do this this has got to be for everybody and so uh, Micah and I went to, from door to door to to all of these different uh, interested parties and talked to uh, Confederacy Chiefs, uh, Haudenosaunee Confederacy Chiefs Council and uh, Band Councilors and uh, uh, Band Council Chief and um, and uh, uh, Mohawk Workers, which is another uh, kind of group down here, and went to them and asked them for their support, as well as the men. Uh, Men's fire, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we and we went to to all of those groups and and. Uh, some more hesitantly than others, but all all of those groups uh, agreed with what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That's great. And, and, and hey, that, we're, we're, the, we're at the bottom of the hour, so um, why don't we? We'll take a uh, a quick break here. Uh, I'll take a little musical break. Give me a chance to to get a drink and clear my throat, uh, <laughs> and then we'll be right back and we'll uh, we'll wrap up. I I, I want to. I want to get into some some other things. You know, I want to talk about the legacy of Oka and and all of that as it relates to where you guys are at now. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll do that when we come back. This is uh, John Kane. This is uh, this is Let's Talk Native. I've got uh, Skylar Williams and Micah. I'm sorry, I didn't get the last name again. Micah. That's okay. You can just all right, Micah. It is Skylar. I got Skylar and Micah from uh, from Six Nations talking about uh, what's happening um, in the resistance to more Caledonia development. So we'll we'll talk about that when we get back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. I want to give a shout out to my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank uh, Eric White and ERW Enterprises and the good folks at uh, Grand River Enterprises for supporting this program, the work that we're doing here, the videos that we get out, the shows that we do in New York. Uh, and this show also airs in Washington, D.C. on WPFW. Um, so I want to, again, I think all, not just those sponsors, but others who help from time to time, Harry Wallace and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ed Schindler, uh, Cynthia Trice. I got different guys, different places who, when we need it most, when we need to buy another piece of equipment and improve what we're doing here, these guys step up. So I want to I thank those guys um, uh, in particular. You know, uh, there's, there's things that affect um, what we do and when we do it um and sometimes those things are beyond our control or they just happen um you know the timing just works out one of the things that that i've talked about 
in my show on on any number of occasions is the recent social consciousness that has come um, and and the the race the attention to racism that has come because of the murder of George Floyd um, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, we have essentially become beneficiaries uh, of that movement we've seen columbus statues torn down we've seen the washington football team change its name we're we've actually gotten a little bit more attention than uh, our own actions have garnered by themselves and without necessarily having to appropriate their movement it's like we like it's, it's almost like white people woke up a little bit i mean not not all of them but a little bit and police violence has been highlighted and you can't talk about police violence in the u.s against uh, black people without talking about violence against native people both in the u.s and on the canadian side and uh and that's you know i i mentioned that because i think it's there is a relationship there and i think some of our people don't know how there's a little indifference our people have uh in looking at you know what what's been happening on the u.s side with a lot of the uh, uh you know the the protests even the riots uh that have broken out um but at some point when there is such violent oppression you know that that these even our most well-intended peaceful protests uh sometimes we need we we have to do more and uh, and i'm not saying i'm not promoting violence i'm not promoting vandalism but you know there's there's a difference between a peaceful protest and a nonviolent direct action and and we've seen that play out i know uh, skylar you were at standing rock um you might be a little young for <laughs> for gunners dog at oka which i think has created essentially a path or a legacy for many of us to respond to. Um, and, and I think just like we've been the beneficiary of some of the movement uh, in calling attention to, you know, to the racism that exists in the U S and Canada uh, because of black lives matter, they've benefited from our movements that, uh, that we've initiated. So standing rock and idle no more. And, uh, and, and of course now the, the you know, the, the new movement is land back. And, uh, and, and that's why I think it's so great that you guys are, have uh, located yourself at Fort, <laughs> 1492 Landback Lane. So, uh, uh, let tell me, uh, give me your thoughts on on how this action now connects back to even to the uh, to the Gunnazadage Oka crisis. Well, I mean, I think they broke some ground and uh, kind of cleared the way for uh, at least my generation to be able to to understand like what no looks like when we say no to development, like the. Uh, the, the gloves really do come off when it, uh, when it comes to indigenous people and our connection to the land. Well, and and for those who who may not be familiar on the U.S. side or, or wherever, the Oka Gunnazadaga crisis was an attempt by the 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 municipality of Oka, the mayor of Oka, trying to extend a nine hole golf course onto Mohawk land and Gunnazadaga. That again, that our people did a peaceful protest to stop it. And the, the in this case, it's the uh, it was the um, Quebec police, the SQ they call it, which is like again the Quebec state police or, or provincial police. They came in with intent to do harm. With uh, you know they they had militarized vehicles. They they came in with assault weapons. They were firing shots, trying to kill our people. 
Um, and that turned into a violent conflict that turned into a conflict with the RCMP and ultimately the Canadian Army. But but it's it's in a way it's a very similar cir- circumstance where there's development that is intended to be uh, shoved down our throats, put on our doorstep, as you say. Um, and what was demonstrated 30 years ago was uh, that we could resist, and and that we we no longer had to take you know some cash settlement to, to solve any dispute. Which is what they um, hell the Seneca's here. They they put a throughway through Seneca territory, and they paid them off seventy thousand dollars for for a, a a toll road that the United States or that New York State I'm sorry has collected money off of for for forty over you know almost well almost fifty years. It, it's absurd when you think about what the the imposition that is uh, you know that we've had to withstand. Uh, you know, for for hundreds of years, but certainly in, even in the, in the last several decades. And well, this is the thing, right? Is when, like, I, and I can't say enough about how 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 grateful I am to our community that they've uh, stood up the way that they have to be able to make sure, like, our you know, safe passage to be able to to gain access to and from the, the reclamation site here, and like uh, to be able to hold on to. Uh, highway and uh, train tracks and uh, um, roads that are clearly, clearly on our land. Mm-hmm. Without like, with, and that's the thing is that the the charges are always mischief charges. And so uh, I was arrested the day of the raid, uh, and you know, told I, I was not allowed to come back or be breach of my my bail and uh, or my uh, release anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the uh, COVID uh, coronavirus thing here has kind of uh, <laughs> made jailing people very difficult. And so yeah. they, uh, I was released after only uh, a few hours, uh, four and a half hours, and then we were able to kind of regroup and and make our way back down to the site. And like, and it, and that's the thing is like our uh, our determination to to make this part of our reserve, part of Six Nations territory once again is uh, is like undeterred by any police action and there's nothing that courts or the uh, can do to make uh, make us go away. Uh, this is Haudenosaunee territory and it's going to remain that way. Well, and again, as somebody who uh, who's been involved in, in, in a lot uh, over the years and, and you know, I've had my uh, challenges in the U.S. federal court system as a result of you know some of the things that I've stood for. Uh, I'm encouraged to see how many young people and you know and I know sometimes you guys don't feel as young as you really are, but <laughs> for those of us looking at you guys and seeing the, these young faces, really stepping up and and doing and not doing something that that our generation is directing you to do that you're 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 you see this as a need and you guys are responding um i know you're you're trying to make sure that you respect the will of of uh, you know people who are who are older and uh and i know that's that's a challenge because you know, i know when we were involved in things at um when my generation was involved in things we it was very difficult because we came from several generations of people who were who did not have that fighting spirit. Uh, they they, I mean, 
they didn't list in the Canadian or the U.S. Armed Forces before they'd, they'd ever stand up to United States or Canada. And, and so there's a change that's happening. And you guys are actually taking that, that, that will to another level. You're, you're going beyond where we went. And, and I'm, I'm proud of what you guys are doing. Uh, um, so tell me, where, where do you see things now? What are you anticipating um, in terms of uh, response from uh, um, the Ontario Provincial Police or from the, the, the province? or uh, wh- What are you guys kind of anticipating at this point? So like right now, the, in, in terms of the police anyways, uh, um, the developer here as well as the, the county that we're in, uh, have both applied to the courts and were granted uh, uh, injunctions by the courts, which is just a um, leverage by uh, the developer in the county to be able to leverage the police to act on uh, charges against us. And so in the meantime, while that is going on, we are still kind of going through our community, beating the unity drum as, loud as we, loudly as we can, uh, Trying to get those uh, those leaders to come up to the uh, come up to the plate to be uh, not adversarial anymore, but to be partners in a discussion and a uh, uh, one make to try and make one voice moving forward, as opposed to uh, kind of going around in the circle that we've that we've been in for the last like hundred years since the band council was. Uh, enforced here at Six Nations. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and part of the problem, you know, really gets back to this isn't even just about this development. This is about land that that Canada has defrauded from from your use. I mean, they, they've 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 tried to you know play a game here where and there is literally millions of dollars of of taxes that they've collected of lease payments that that you know six nations was entitled to for all for the entire tract of land and and certainly the underlying title still should legally um it it must remain with uh, with six nations and so this isn't just about a development this is a bigger picture than that and and i think your what you're calling attention to is the injustice and and how far back that injustice goes and that whether they issue injunctions or try to hold you guys in contempt of court or charge you with mischief or whatever they're they're going to do that that this isn't a legal proceeding this is a political issue and the legal issue is the are the crimes that were committed against you not uh, your resistance to to court injunctions yeah no and that's what i mean is it's it it becomes a really difficult thing because uh when we are uh, victims uh, as a community of uh, like that 100 years of trying to find any kind of um, legal avenue to be able to uh, reclaim land so like just like any other city wants to thrive and grow as a community so do we and us at six nations have seen over that last hundred years uh our community and our 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 land mass shrink and it's not because uh, uh our population isn't growing our population is 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 booming but if we don't have a process to see land returned to us or lands uh, added on to the reserve and 
like, and that was something we were kind of like staunchly against too. Was like we're not about uh, going up the uh, non-native home homeowners and saying get out of your house. This is six nations territory. This is about um, land that is is vacant, is uh, uh, agricultural land, land that was being used for planting and uh, corn and beans and uh, soybeans and uh, wheat. And so we're we're saying that that land that is uh, mostly uninhabited, uh, there's no reason that it can't be uh, given back to Six Nations and uh, at the very uh, the very least sold back to. Uh, and that's what some of the uh, band council and uh, confederacy council have been doing is trying to buy back land so that they can try and get it added back onto the reserve. Yeah, and, and even that process is, is, like you said, it's uh, it's an arduous task, and, and it's not usually successful. Um, it's never been successful here at Six Nations, never once. I, and, and, and here's the reality. There, you know, we go back to some place called Ganyange, where which was the only time that Native people went in and took land back. It still stands today, um, you know, as one of the only places uh, in the U.S. or Canada that that Native people went in and reclaimed, retook land that was uh, that was once theirs, and uh, um, and that that community still exists. You know, so. The unfortunate part is, as much as we can look back at something like Oka and say, "Okay, there's a legacy there," we never created the the Gunyonge legacy and and you know fulfilled that. You know, uh, look, it was said uh, we need to reclaim land by hook or by crook. That was a Grand Council uh, statement that was made back in in the seventies, and uh, we we've never we've never fulfilled that fully fulfilled that and and i think the idea of taking drawing a line in the sand and as you said you're just trying to stop them from creating permanent development on land that they clearly don't have the title to and you know and shame on anybody who thinks that they can put the money up for for a house or or an apartment on land that is always going to be disputed and and i think any white person or non-native person who thinks that uh, they're going to bully their way around. I know you guys went through some some incredible um, conflicts with. I, I know there was that one big fat uh, white guy that you guys uh, were battling with in Caledonia who was so overtly racist. Here he there you go. That's the name. Was, that's the guy I was looking for. Um, I remember him very very well. I'll bet you do. But uh, you know, there's this is something that that will continue to play out uh, until. Uh, until Canada acknowledges that they have created this this land dispute and they need to make it right. And, you know, I, again, I, I hope that I never call it buying land back. I, I, I have referred to it as paying white people to leave it. Um, uh, my good friend Sugar Montour, he always said that, I, you know, I, I've never bought land. I've always paid white people to leave it. And uh, so I, I guess I, I guess there's a time and a place for that. But in, in this situation, before these home, the, this development proceeds and, and this vacant land turns into these half a million dollar, you know, homes, um, you guys, it, it, it is really on you guys to stop it. And that, and I think that's exactly what we're saying. It's like that uh, if we can't come together as a community, then you know the I, I'd hate to be able to have uh, you know that conversation with my granddaughter or my great granddaughter one day and tell her that you know sorry, honey, but there's no place for you to be able to build a home. 
Right. Because I was mad at the band council. I was mad at the Confederacy council. I was mad at somebody else or family in my in my community. Like that's an absolutely like what kind of dick would I be to sit there and look at my granddaughter's eyes and say like I'm sorry I was mad. I can't uh, I can't talk to I can't I, we. We couldn't stand up for the land because we we couldn't stop being mad. Yeah, well, and and that's the bottom line. I mean, if uh, you we either we either fight for this or we don't, and uh, and you know, so whatever divisions that uh, that were created and imposed upon us, whether it's Indian Act or whether it's you know, um, you know how Canada or the U.S. Uh, defines uh, our lands we we have to come to one mind enough of us have to come to one mind that that we become a force that that Canada has to recognize regardless of what who they want to recognize in terms of band council chiefs or you know Haudenosaunee chiefs or whatever else um, it has to be clear that the that the people have to be heard and when I when I see what you guys are doing there and what took place in solidarity of Wet'suwet'en and what you know what took place you know again going back to you know Gunazadage and uh, and what Gunawage went through um, there was so much solidarity from native territory to native territory and it's funny because I, I look back uh, in the wake of the initial wave of I don't know more there was an effort by Canada to do uh, a study they have these McDonald Laurier reports and one of these ones that was drafted by a guy by the name of Doug Bland uh, was was suggesting uh, that he used a a uh, an Ivy League model that would when you put the data in would tell you whether uh, there was a what was the likelihood of an insurgency and and Canada was met with a reality that the conditions that that they created we're creating um, a likelihood that there would be an indigenous insurgency um, that could ha- that could take place any place or throughout Canada because of the conditions that they were forcing Native people to live because of the disproportionate amount of Native people that were being imprisoned or murdered or missing, uh, all of that stuff. And, you know, I think the, the, the non-centralized nature of what you guys are doing, where you're not creating a hierarchy to take, uh, to, you know, take a movement forward, is, leaves Canada uh, not knowing what, what the hell to do. They, they, they want to be able to find kingpins and, uh, and take them down, just like they do on the U.S. side. And I think the fact that you've got a broad-based um, uh, population support for what you're doing is, is really giving, giving you guys uh, strength. Absolutely, and you know what? Like the uh, one of the one of the biggest strengths that we have down here is the, like the amazing women that we have down here. They have uh, uh, given us the direction and the the willpower to be able to keep on moving forward with with uh, with all of it. Uh, it, it. The strength of these women is is amazing to me. Well, and and that's a generational thing too. Um, I think we we are seeing women of stronger will who are not going to um uh i mean look we've had previous generations of of women who are so worried that the men are going to get hurt or they're so worried about you know uh, their immediate household uh and and we've seen for decades now women who have stepped up more and more and more and not only to to support the men doing something but they're on the front lines you know side by side with us and and they they become every bit as physical when need be and uh and you know i and again it shows the 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 level of equality that is part of our dna 
uh, something that that you know that frankly non-native people are not fully exposed to and uh, you know and I, I I'm impressed by that that power and the strength uh, of both the men and the women but uh, seeing seeing the women being um, aggressive enough and and not pulling us back and not pulling themselves back and uh, and and you know basically asserting their will is, is a that that's an encouraging thing to see and but see the thing here is I don't really think it's that so much about us women being just as aggressive as the men. I think it's you know I have to give a shout out to the to the men that are participating in this with us. And it's not about us being aggressive because we are about being peaceful. Or we try to be as least harmful, as least aggressive as like absolutely possible. And I think it's the capability of the men to step back from that patriarchal idea that the men are calling the shots and they're like leading the charge and they're the warriors. They are, they are very, very mindful to listen to what we have to say. They're very mindful to come to us and ask for direction. And everything is done as a collective here. Like no one person ever just makes a decision. Everybody understands that we are all responsible and accountable to each other here. So it's very, very much like the equity is on a completely different page in that aspect. Well, and that's like why I was talking men, about the, the, the decentralized nature of what you guys are doing, the fact that you, you aren't creating that hierarchy and decision-making, that it is broad-based and that, you, that there is equity. I think, uh, I think you guys are doing it just right. I, uh, you know, I think you guys are doing a, a, a tremendous thing there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, again, I want to thank you guys. Um, um, I'm, I'm obviously keeping keeping tabs on this thing. Um, we will will follow up uh, if uh, Michael, yourself, or, or Skyler, you you want to come back and join me uh, as some of these things, you know, some of this plays out. I I have a group page on Facebook that I that I share a lot of what you guys are posting up on your group page as well. Um, this show, um, uh, I'm I'm hoping you know people will. We'll hear what you guys have had to say and understand what you're doing is is a tremendous good that you guys are are doing here. Um, and anybody who has any doubts about that, I hope they hear what you guys have had to say here and what you're what you guys are doing there, uh, and know that you guys are are truly looking out for the future generations and what you're trying to do. So I thank both of you. I thank all of you. Um, I thank both of you for joining me, but I thank all of you there. And, you know, my, my props go to, to everybody who's, who's stepping up. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. Again, that's uh, so that was, uh, you know, Skylar and Micah um, joining us here on Let's Talk Native from uh, Six Nations, otherwise known as Oswego or Grand River. Uh, um, and they're basically giving the account on what's, what's happening in their attempt to to stop um, unlawful development on disputed lands uh, of, the, of the Six Nations. So um, we'll uh, we'll check back with them from time to time, and we'll see what, uh, where this what the what the status is as we go forward. I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be uh, and we'll be back here on Saturday. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. Anyway.